Amazing Grace. Oh my goodness, man. That song. That song will be here for the rest of eternity. I love that song. Um, Mark 8, if you want to turn there. I'll give you a second. Verse 14 is where we're going to start. Um, well, today's message is, uh, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a road map, I guess you could say. It's got a direction. Um, <laughs> we'll get there. And uh, uh, I just want you to think, as you're hearing these words, okay, what I'm about to read is, is, is the truth. Um, and this truth is for the truth for those who believe, and it's also for the truth for those that don't know Christ and that don't believe in him. Um, and you would be very hard-pressed to find the world saying that about God's truth. They would say, your truth is your truth, let my truth be my truth. Um, there can only be one truth. And as we gather here, and, and as believers in Jesus Christ, the one true God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, I, I, my prayer is that these words become life to you, as well as my heart, as they become more and more life to me. Uh, and, and when we read and when we study these things, and when we're in our small groups, I guess we just ask the question to yourself, what does this mean to my life? Don't just read it. What does this mean for my life? Make it real. And um, as we go through this, I'll show you, uh, God will show you just the importance of this being life to us so that what we live and how we live and, and how we speak reflects that of who Christ is to this world and the importance of that. Um, but let's start in verse 14. This is right after Jesus performed uh, another miracle regarding food and water, which I love because I love to eat and drink. Um, uh, if you like food, this is like the miracle that you always talk about, and uh, uh, I'm a big fan of pizza, and if these people were eating pizza that day, I wish I would have been there, but I have a feeling there weren't because they, uh, it was probably invented in Italy, and uh, they weren't Italian. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know where that was going. Anyways... <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's go to God's words now. Uh, verse 14 says this. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread. This is right after Jesus just fed 4,000 people. And they were all satisfied. And he fed them from seven loaves of bread. So obviously it wasn't like, oh, and, and well, they had seven loaves. So they could have just given each person a little tiny little nibble. They were satisfied. Something happened here. The disciples saw something great happen here today, right? That day, they saw a miracle happen where this bread, and it, it, it multiplied for everybody to be able to eat and be satisfied, including the disciples on this day. And so this is what happens. The disciples, uh, they, they go and Jesus says, okay, we're going to the boat. We're going to go travel, you know. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. So they only brought one loaf of everything that was left. And then Jesus says to him and turns to him and says this. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And why he said that is because the Pharisees just approached him and said, we want, to, we want proof that you're Jesus, you're the Messiah, you are who you say you are, show us a sign. And he says, well, there's not going to be a sign for this wicked generation like that. And so he's saying, listen, you need to be very aware of what the teachers are teaching about our God, because he is God, he knows God, he is God, he is who he is, and he's here to say the truth and set it straight once and for all through the cross and his resurrection. 
And so he's warning his friends, saying, listen, you need to be careful about the rules and regulations and the expectations of this world that those teachers are going to put on you to make you earn your faith, to make you good enough, to make you be here under them. Be very careful of what they're saying and what you're listening to because what comes out of Christ's mouth is truth to them and he wants them to make sure that they know that. And so they totally get it all wrong. And the, 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 it's totally like us where we're, sometimes we just don't quite get it. And thank God that the disciples were human and, and sometimes just not very smart. And uh, this is what they said. They discussed this with one another and said, it's because we have no bread um, that he said this, right? It's because we have no bread. And imagine what's going on now. After Jesus said, beware the yeast of the Pharisees, like, oh gosh, who forgot the bread? Peter? You're the bomb, you're the man, you're the one that's supposed to lead us, and you forgot all the bread. It wasn't on me. And Peter's probably like looking over at James being like, dude, you are so disorganized. Like, get your stuff together and just get the bread. You totally forgot, and you knew he'd want to eat. And then he's probably like, Andrew, you know, you need to, you, I'm, I'm just sick. I'm fed up with your lack of details and all this stuff. And, you know, and they're, all of a sudden they're arguing over this statement that Jesus made, and they're totally misunderstanding everything he's saying to them about what the Pharisees are going to do. We do that too. I thought that was funny. <laughs> of where are the discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketful of pieces did you pick up? And of course they said, well, they picked up 12. They had 12 left after he fed the 5,000. And he's like, okay, and when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, like a minute ago, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They said, we picked up seven at the end. He said to them, do you still not understand? And I think sometimes as we read these scriptures and as we see what God is doing and what Christ is saying in these things, sometimes we're there with them. We're not quite getting it. We're not quite understanding it. And it's either we don't understand it because we're, 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 we are thinking something that Christ isn't saying. Either that's whether it's taught to us in a different way or whether that's just us not being apathetic to what Christ is saying and not living it out. And that's where today, as we go through what Christ is about to do with this man, relating it to how in the world this relates to us regarding our eyes being open to the truth of who Christ is and what he's about, just kind of check your heart on these things. Just kind of check your heart and say, okay, how real, how alive are these scriptures to me? How alive are really these scriptures to my heart as a follower of Christ? And so Jesus takes his, his disciples and they go, they came to Bethsaida, this is verse 22, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and he led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? And the blind man says this, he looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. And so he wasn't quite seeing clearly, was he? He wasn't seeing people the way that he should be seeing them. They looked like trees to him. Probably blurry. And whether this man was totally blind before this or whether he was, was almost blind but could barely make out whatever it was, but he could see people, but he saw them like they were trees just walking around. And so what does Jesus do? He looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. 
Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. And his eyes were opened. His eyes were opened. His sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. His eyes were opened. He saw everything clearly. And I think sometimes we need to say, okay, Lord, you know my heart and my heart is for you. God, if I'm not seeing people the way you want me to see people, not as just trees walking around and just another thing that I deal with in life, then open my eyes to the truth as to how you see people. That's a scary and that's a very, uh, I hope, meaningful prayer that maybe I I hope some of us have today or have had in the past and really honestly take a look at that. Because when this is all said and done, when this world is all said and done, there's nothing more that matters to the people that are in your life, whether they know Christ for who he is, for the truth of who he is, or not. There's two things, whether you know him or you don't know him. And I'll tell you what, I, I think our heart here is that people know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And not only that, that when they do accept Christ as Lord and Savior, like you and I have, that this becomes real to their life. And it's not just a routine that there's something to be said that Jesus is saying in these scriptures that says, you, now it's on you. Go, do the work. Has God ever just done anything besides creation? Yes, I get it. And he flooded the earth, I think, without any man help. He's very much capable of doing those things. But does God usually use people to do his work or does he just do it? He uses people. You see that in the Old Testament. You see that in the New Testament. And we say, well, if God wants to do it, God will do it. Well, yeah, hello. Through you, if he's going to do it. He wants us to live this out. And I, 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 I kind of saw like a perfect uh, um, example of this in a movie. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie To Save a Life. Uh, it's an awesome movie. If you get, you get a chance to see it, watch it. Um, in this movie, there's this, there's this kid. He's a high school kid, and his name's Jake Taylor. And he's a basketball player. Anyone play basketball here? Me? Cool. Um, <laughs> I'll be sure we don't do any three-on-three tournaments at Messiah soon for basketball because no one plays. Um, Good. Uh, um, Jake Taylor plays basketball. He's awesome. And he gets a full ride to play at Louisville uh, for basketball. And he he has everything that this world would tell you that that you want in life. He He has the girlfriend. He has everybody all behind him. Everybody just... Loves, wants to be with Jake, right? And he is, he's doing the party deal. And man, he's, he's living it up. And he's got what the world wants. Um, but he gets to go to this church. And it's from some youth uh, director, pastor guy, invites him. And he says, whatever, fine, I'll just go. I'm not really religious, though. And he comes. And he, it's about the second or third time that he's actually there. And he's sitting against this wall. And he just had this deep conversation with a friend that he brought that said, I just can't even be here because I don't know what these people think of me. I don't, I'm, I'm just unsure because I'm, 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 not, I'm not perfect. And so his friend kind of leaves and Jake's kind of crushed by it all. And his pastor's talking about not being judgmental of other people. And, and, and we need to reach out and we need to be, you know, he's saying the hands and the feet of Christ. And Jake is sitting on the wall listening to all this, the, the youth director say this, and then the, the youth director says, now, now kids and students, I want you to, and there's about 30, 40 students, I want you to think about someone and, think, and pray, about, and, and pray um, but just spend some time thinking about that person. And as he's sitting on the wall, he's looking around as to what these Christians and these followers of Christ will do in respond to that message. And they start just talking about life, football, 
this is on after this. Did you hear about that girl? Did you hear about this girl? Did you hear about, you know, the things that he's done, she's done? And, and all of this to him, he's just sitting looking around and you can see it. He's just getting frustrated with the whole thing. And so he stands up and he's like, did you just hear what he said? And everyone stops talking. He said, did you just, like, did you just understand what he said? And previously in the movie, his, one of his friends, before he became popular, actually took his life because he had no one, he felt like no one was there, no one cared. And so he said, did you just hear what your youth pastor said, what your youth director said about your life and what the meeting is and hear you guys talk about this stuff and you could do all these fun games and they drank cola through a sock, right? And they were doing all these weird things and then they talk about Christ and then the message and the response is, whatever, okay. And so he stands up in frustration is like, my friend just killed himself. Your friend that you knew, that kid just took his life and what is there that you guys are talking about? I mean, what's the, what's the point here? Jake's eyes were beginning to become open to the reality of what was going on in the heart of Christ. And I think God's message for that whole group and our group here is let's let Christ take over our hearts and our minds and open our eyes to the truth of what's going on here, what's going on in this world and the places he's put us in for the reason that he's put us, whether it's in school, work, job, um, uh, family, there's a reason for it all. And the awesome thing about this, and, and I know one of the big questions that people ask regarding their faith in, 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 in Christ, what does it mean for my life and, and why does it really matter if I know Christ? Okay, I know him, I know that, but why does it matter? Um, I could give you several reasons. I'll, I'll give you this. Um, there, is, there is no other way to eternal life besides Christ. Um, and many of the people that you know don't know that. And if they do know it, they haven't seen it lived out. And God's asking us to reflect who he truly is so that they can see the real Jesus and not mess him up with some other fluffy, flaky, Jesus is just, you know, this little tiny thing that you can believe in when there's more to it than that. And so what I want you to do now is I just want you to do this very quickly. And the awesome thing about this in your faith and my faith in him is that we've found purpose in this. And if, you, if you've never known that, I want to read you a scripture um, that's going to just, I hope, just speak volumes about your life here. Um, but before we do that, I want you just to kind of close your eyes. And uh, everyone, close your eyes. I want you to picture in your eyes, or in your eyes, it actually be in your mind. Um, I want you to picture someone, whether, someone in your life somewhere, whether it's at work or at school, um, and I hope that God just gives you that person right now and, and that he kind of does, works like he does in a supernatural way. Um, and, and, and this person maybe is just has going through some hardships. Maybe they don't know Jesus. Um, but I, picture that person in your mind right now. And I'll just give you a few seconds to do that. I'm going to read you a scripture verse. And if you've ever questioned your purpose in Christ and what you're supposed to be, what you're called to do through him, and the amazing gift and opportunity he's given you to live for him. Here it is. Just keep picturing their face. Keep picturing that face. This is from Acts. I'm going to start at 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. Thank God for that. He lives in you and through you guys. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, but because, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. 
So the, light, the person that you're picturing, picturing, they breathe because he's giving them breath. And everything else. And then here's, this is for you. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us. Okay, open your eyes. Let that scripture sink into your hearts and your minds because that's a huge scripture when it comes to finding purpose in Christ. Let me read it again. From one man he made every nation of men that they, would in, they should inhabit the whole earth. That's you and me. And he determined the times set for you in your life when you will live, and it's now. Not the 1800s, although some of us want to go back there because it was awesome and we like to chop logs and build fires. Your time is now that he's set for you. And the places he takes you to live, he's given those places to you. And the people he's put in your lives, like that face you were just imagining, he's given that life, that face, that person he placed in your life. And so the big question is, how do you see that person when you walk, when you see their face? Do you see him as just someone else? Because I'm not sure that's how Christ, and actually I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not, how Christ sees that person. Um, and the awesome thing about that, man, is that he delivered us through the cross so that we could be ministers of that message, that good news, as the driving point of our life with him. That is the one that just pushes us. Man, he's given us this opportunity to, to, to share this good news with other people. Um, my grandpa is, is, is one that always pops into my mind. Um, oh, okay, so I, I cried a lot at 8, eight o'clock. Um, <laughs> okay, I love my grandpa a lot. And I talk with him about Jesus, and I pray for him a lot. And whenever I talk with him, and, 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 and he, um, and I ask him, you know, Grandpa, who's, do you know who Jesus is? And he says, yeah, 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 I, I, I went to church, and I did confirmation when I was little and all that stuff, and I did that, I'm good. I did that, and I, and, and, and I did that stuff. But I don't know if he really loves him. And that's kind of what, like, like what gets me. Like, I know my grandpa experienced this. And I know my grandpa went to church when he was very young. And he did this whole deal. But I don't know if he loves him. I don't know where he's at with that. And I know God has his hand in that. And God's the one that's in charge of those things. But there's, a, there's just this thing in my heart that just so longing to see my grandpa just say, I love Jesus so much. He's like 93. 
I don't want to just see people. I don't want to just see, like, my, gra- my grandpa that way. Because, like, we know what God says about that, is that he knows the time and dates we live, and he also knows the number of days that we have. And we've seen kids die in this community, and we don't know that we thought they would live to 93, too. And we don't know what those people are going to go through at your work. And you don't know what those people that you're around and you're placed in, how long they have. And the honest truth is that there's nothing more than that, that matters to their life, that they see Christ in you and that they hear the message through you about who he is. Because in the end, it doesn't matter how big, how great, how grand, what kind of car, what kind of house, what kind of investments we have, what kind of IRA and how great our stocks are doing. That's great and fine because in the end, it's not going to be, it's going to be worth as much as that piece of lint right there when Christ comes back. And what are we investing our time in? What are we investing our thoughts and our prayers into? And that's just something that, that I hope in my heart continues to grow because, man, when I see people, I want to see them like Christ sees them, not just like someone else. And the awesome thing about this is that he's placed people in your life that he's asking you to do something with. And he's placed people in my life because you're there, you're with them. They know you've built relationships with them. It's not mine it's not my call to be in all of your relationships some of you would not want that i'm very disorganized and you get i drive you crazy i drive my wife crazy this week really bad which i felt really bad about sorry is she here i love you i'm sorry (laughs) okay skip with me to acts 8 verse 31 we're just going to skip down a little bit and then we're almost done oh Okay, that wasn't as bad as eight. Oh, man, okay. Eleven's going to be a little better, maybe. Okay. Eight, verse 31. Or, excuse me, let's go to 27 first. Jesus and his disciples went on to the village, the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still, others one, and still others one of the prophets. But what you say, what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Peter responds, you are the Christ. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about this or about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. So everyone that, that thought they knew it all and kind of studied and dedicated their life to this law um, of, the, of, of the Old Testament that God had set in order so that we know how to live with Christ and with God and be at peace with him. But the way that was teaching is you need to do it and earn it and all this. And, and Jesus said that's about to change and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside. So after he said and said, listen, I'm going to die and, and you guys, are, I'm going to, he didn't tell him that he's coming back yet and he's going to reveal himself even after his resurrection, but he said, All they heard is, I'm going to die. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. And so he sees his disciples there. Peter's rebuking him. He turns and he sees the face of these people that he loves. And you got to imagine what was going through his mind when he saw his disciples. And maybe it was the, I'm going to the cross for them. I'm going to the cross for these guys, my friends. But I'm going to the cross for this world. Get behind me, Satan, he says to Peter. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And sometimes I just wonder if, if that's what our thing is. Is our mind on the things 
of men that men would think about, that men would pursue, that men would go after and seek after and live their life for and try to find the, the comfort and security in being, uh, whether it's money or, or, or people or popularity or this temporary things that are just going to be gone with someday or isn't on the things of God. And what Christ is saying here is, listen, it's going to be hard, but there's something that he has to do in order for God's will to be done, in order for people to be saved, so that in us, we now, through his death and resurrection, have been called to be the ministers of reconciliation. And having your mind as that, when we see people, is exactly what he's talking about. Don't see things like men see them. See things in the people that he's placed in your life the way Jesus sees them. And how did he see them? That he gave his life for them and gave it all up for them. And that he came down from this perfect place, God, down here to be with us because of his love for us was so great. That he was willing to give himself up on a cross and bear the shame and pain of all your sin that you've ever done. This past week, whatever you've done, it's on the cross because that's what Jesus did. He bore your shame of your sin on the cross in the whole world for the rest of humanity and the rest of history for while we're here. That's the way to the cross. And he's asking us to have his mind not on the things of this world. Verse 34. Then he called the crowd, and this is huge, and this is big for me and you, and then we're going to be done. Then he called the crowd over there. After he rebuked Peter, he said, over, come here. I want to share this with you. So obviously he wanted to say something that was extremely important. And his disciples came and people came and he said this. And this is for you and me. If anyone would come after me, if any one of you and myself want to go after Jesus, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You better get rid of what you want to do and the things that you are seeking after that are of this world and trade them in for the cross and trade them in for a life lived for the will of God through you. Saying, okay, I'm going to surrender my life to Christ. I'm going to surrender, I'm going to give up my pursuit of what the world expects me to give up and the expectations of even church sometimes saying you need to do it this way and do this and do that and do that and do that and do that and say I'm going to follow Christ and I'm going to know what he says in his word and I want to live that word out. And then he goes on and says this, for whoever wants to save his life, if you want to save your life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel, we'll save it. That's the surrender. If you're willing to lose your life here on earth for Christ, meaning if you're willing to lose your pursuit of the American dream, let's just call it, because that's what it may cost sometimes. If you're willing to lose that pursuit for the cause of Christ, and you can still live in it, you can still be a part of this world and live for Christ, that's what Christ has called us to do. Be in the world, but not of it. You are in the world. But are you willing to surrender the life that he's given you for the time he's given you for his cause and for the things he's asking us to do? And then he says this. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, everything you want? You can't imagine the riches that this world could offer you. You can imagine the, the money that this world could throw at you. You can imagine the, the cars this world could give you. But I'll tell you what. The Lamborghini is worth about as much as my Mercury Tracer in 97 was worth when Jesus comes back. And that thing was a piece of junk. <laughs> and it smoked at red lights. But it's the same cost and the same worth as when Christ comes back, everything is gone. The importance of everything else, but if you know him, if you know him, 
if your friends know him, if the people that he's placed you around know him. That's what matters in life. And he's put you there for a reason. And he's given you these words and this message of this Christ to share with them. And that's the purpose of being ministers of reconciliation and not being contaminated by this world or the yeast of the Pharisees. I'll end with this. It matters how you see Christ. It matters how you see Christ and your, and your faith in him. That matters. And the message he brings to this world through you, it matters. And it matters how you respond to the words that God's sharing with us. And I'll just share this real quick. Um, we went to uh, Mexico with some high schoolers. Um, and uh, one of the girls that went um, came back and about three or four weeks later went up to her dad. And I love this because this is, this is, this is Jesus' mindset. I love it when people think like this. She went, he went up, she went up to her dad and said, Dad, she was struggling with this. Dad, is it all right if my, if it, if my heart is still in Mexico? Is it all right if, if that's what's consuming me right now? And her dad didn't say, well, I'm glad you had a great time, but guess what? It's time for school, and you have sports coming up, and there's a lot of things that are coming up in, in, in your life now. And school's going to start, so you really need to kind of make sure you're buckled down and focused there. And, you know, next year there'll be another mission trip where you can go on and have a great time. You know what her dad said to her? And I love this, because this is the mindset of Christ. After she said, is it all right if my heart's in Mexico? Her dad said to her, well, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to respond to that, what God's saying to your heart? What are you going to do about it? And it was the mindset and the words of Jesus that said, guess what? You may have to give up a lot to follow Christ. How are you going to respond? Is Christ putting someone on your heart? What are you doing about it? Are you going to just wait for someone else to do it? I hope not. And I hope that when we see people, wherever we are, wherever you go out of this place, that we see people like Jesus sees, not like trees walking around, but like Christ sees them clearly and with that love. And just as, as the father said to the daughter, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to respond? How are you going to start praying? Are people, gonna be, people that you know at work going to be starting your prayer life? Are you going to pray for opportunity? And I know this is stepping out of the boat and taking faith in all this. It's not easy. But Jesus never said that this is going to be an easy thing to follow him. So my, my encouragement is this is just know the heart of Christ and, and, and be with him and let him change you, your heart, your mind into his heart and his mind for people because in the end that's what matters. They're either, they, will, they will either know or they someday or they won't know and that's for some of us a very scary thing with the people that we imagined in our mind that, 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 at that moment when we closed our eyes and he's placed you there for a reason we just read about it he has a purpose for you where you're at would you guys pray with me God I thank you for today I thank you for um, just this faith family that you've brought in this place and um, Lord you know our heart and you know uh, where we've been this week God um, you know the uh, the great joys that are in there and, and the reasons that we celebrate. And you know the struggles that are in there, God. The, 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 whether it's just a constant thing we're battling, whether it's sin, whether it's uh, uh, whatever it may be on our, on our, that we're carrying on our shoulders, um, whether it's for someone else, whether we're mourning with someone like you've asked us to, whether we're crying with someone that you've asked us to do, whether we're rejoicing with others. Um, 
God, we know that we need to run to you first in those situations. And, and Lord, I ask that my, for myself and for the people here at Messiah, God, man, I, I, just, I just believe that there is just so much that you want to do for the people here, um, for the people around this area, God, that don't know you. And Lord, we ask for your wisdom on all of this. And um, God, you're just awesome. And we, just, we really just stand in awe of, of who you are. And uh, we just thank you for this time to be, be together, to worship, to, to hear your word and, and, and the power that there is in your word, God. And um, so just thank you, Jesus, for your cross, your resurrection that gives us a purpose to live. And there is no other purpose but to live for you. And so I just thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.